Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Adam Klickfeld and Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. When you sing words that you've been saying for decades to a new tune, sometimes it can be disorienting. It's like those words don't go to that music. And sometimes uh, possibilities in the words begin to flower that simply would not have flowered uh, had you continued singing it to the tune that you think was written at Mount Sinai. Um, there are very few synagogues that I know of that sing Mechalkel Chaim Bechesed in the second paragraph of the Amidah to kind of any other tune but the one we're most familiar with. Mechalkel Chaim Bechesed Mechayei Meitim Berachamim Rabim. Right? Fair enough. But again, God did not ordain that those words be sung to that tune. I'm going to introduce a tune that I did last week at Shachrit, I believe, maybe Musaf, I don't, Musaf, that I learned a few weeks ago. Um, from Rabbi Eli Confer, who is one of the uh, the founders of uh, Machon Hadar in New York, who, which is now opening up a Los Angeles um, branch. branch. Um, I want to sing it, and then I want to study these words with you, words that you've probably said almost more frequently than any other words in prayer, because the Amidahs when we come together, but wondering when the last time we really explored them. So the words are there on page one of the song sheet. Hebrew transliteration and the English reading down below. That's the entire first part. Let's do it again. So make no flim Asurim Afar Same tune Oh, 
תמיד ומחיי ומצמיח ישוע מכלכל חיים בחסד מחיי מתים ברחמים רבים מכלכל חיים בחסד מחיי מתים ברחמים רבים סומך נופלים ורופי חולים ומתיר אסורים ומקיים אמונתו לשני עפר. מי חמוך בר גבורת ומי דומה מלך מי מדומך ומצמיח ישוע. That's different, huh? <laughs> That's very different than the way we normally sing it. Whether you're looking at these words in Hebrew or in English, and whether you're looking at them for the first time or the thousandth time, I want you to look at them again. And let me know if something strikes you about what's actually being said in these words, either the content or the pattern order that you never noticed before. And I'll repeat what people say because we're um, live streaming this. And I want to make sure people uh, who are listening on live stream can hear us and too clunky to pass around the microphones. Something that strikes you about these words that you've never noticed before. Yes, you know. <laughs> Interesting. So just, just in terms of the, the mouth movements, a lot of mems and chets. Mechalkel, mechaye, meitim, atzmiyach, mechaye, meimit. Interesting. I had <laughs> never thought of it from that uh, angle, just in terms of what we're actually forming in our mouths, the sounds. What else? Anything about the words, pattern, order? Jen? Um, I guess I never noticed that we had micha mocha, which obviously is... said another time. Yeah. I just didn't notice that before. Good. And you've said this probably 5,000 times, right? So, six, uh, six. six. I, forgot that. I forgot that decade, yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, right. So, Micha Mocha, which is biblical, uh, that phrase is kind of imported into, in here, asking God, right, who, who can possibly be like you in the, in the, as Baal Givorot, as the master of great, um, uh, of great um, courageous things. Anyone else? A few more. Elan. Right, so Elan is, is noticing again that Mikhaye Hamaitim, God who resurrects the dead, literally brings life, right? The verb Mikhaye is from the root Chaim, who gives life to the dead. Um, technically, um, 
and he's noticing that you have the phrase bechesed in there, the way the sentence parses, the bechesed is probably connected to the mechalkel chayim, right, who sustains life, bechesed, and then mechayim metim barachamim rabim, but your question stands, what does it mean to say that God resurrects the dead with great mercy, as if there's a way of resurrecting the dead not with great mercy, right? And uh, since you mentioned it, we're also, this paragraph in the Amidah is bookended by the notion of the resurrection of the dead, which means the second paragraph of the most common and significant prayer that we say, that Jews say three times a day, and some Jews say when they, just when they come to shul, is bookended by perhaps one of the most hard to digest and um, overwhelmingly uh, complicated theological notions, that God might resurrect the dead. At the beginning, and then Melech may meet Umchaye, the God who forces death and then who brings back to life. Good. One or two more. Yes, Norm? Good. So what Norm is saying is that after you get to the Mechaye Mitim Barachamim Rabim, which is a four word phrase, right? We have a three word phrase, Mechalkel Chaim Bechesed, who sustains life with mercy. A four word phrase, Mechaye Mitim Rachamim Rabim, brings life to the dead with great mercy compassion. Then we have a series of two-word phrases. God who is A, Somech Noflim, B, Rofei Cholim, C, Matir Asurim, and then another four-word phrase, Mekayim Emunato Lishanei Afar. And so each of those is a big notion, to believe in a God who lifts those who have fallen, to believe in a God who brings healing to those who are sick, to believe in a God who releases those who are bound. Those are each grand theological statements, and the text we're going to read on the next page, Don't Cheat Yet, is going to connect those phrases to the notion of the resurrection of the dead. One more, yeah? Aha. Okay, so, good. Let's use that as a jumping off point. He said that the order of the phrase that goes from death to life, not life to death. Turn the page to source two. The Abu Jaham, 14th century Spanish sage, Rabbi David Abu Jaham, who wrote a sort of a, it's not really a commentary on the Sidur, but it comes off that way. It's basically his theological and halachic uh, insight into our whole prayer life, okay? Um, And this is what he says when he comes to comment on the second paragraph of the Amidah. And the words in bold are the words directly from the prayer. rabim. The one who brings life to the dead with great mercy. Kamosha Pirashnu. As he said, he explained above, but now he's going to go into it. Va'od holech umifaresh. We should also continue, or the, the blessing continues to explain. Ketzad michaye metim brachamim rabim. Almost anticipating Elan's question. As he's saying that the rest of the paragraph is an explanation. Um, is an expansion of how it came to be or how it happens that God resurrects the dead with great mercy. For, kihu somech noflim. God, after all, is the one who lifts the falling. Al shame, based on a verse from, from um, uh, Psalms that if you were here for Psuke de Zimra, you said, somech adonai lechol hanoflim. That's from what part of Psuke de Zimra? The Ashrei, right? It's the Samech line of the Ashrei, that God is the one who lifts up all who are fallen. And look what he says here. Kipamim, sometimes, she'yipol adam, a person falls, vayikshahavuhu harofim kemait. And the doctors who examine the person basically consider the fall to have been so drastic, it's as if he's dead. The Hashem somcho, but the name God, um, comes close to uh, and supports him, 
and revives him. So you might think that a fall is just a fall. Sometimes a fall can lead you to death. God is the one who's going to support the ones who've fallen and revivify. So we've connected the first of those two-word phrases that Norm pointed out to the, fr- to the theme of the entire paragraph, God who gives life to the dead. That pattern's going to continue. Verofe cholim, more serious. You haven't just fallen. This is a God who heals the sick. Al shame, based on a verse, um, not from Psalms, but from uh, Parshat B'Shalach. Kol uh, HaMechala, I didn't bring the whole verse here, etc. Ki Adonai, Ki Adonai Rofecha. God talks about all the illnesses that you're going to have in the desert, and don't be nervous, because I, your God, am your doctor, Ani Rofecha. Ki Pamim, sometimes, Shiagiu Ad Sharei Mavet, the person who's sick, reaches all the way to the gates of death. Hashem Rofam, but God has the power to heal them, otam, and revive them. So, so far we've got Somech Noflim, connected to potential death that God brings you back from. Rofei Cholim, God who brings you to near death, or the or circumstances in life bring you to near death, and God can bring you back. Umatir Asurim, and also that last phrase, Al Shem, based on a uh, verse from Psalms, the one right after the Ashram Sukkot Zimra, Adonai Matir Asurim, God is the uh, one who uh, releases the um, the captive. This is very on the nose right now, right? If you think about the the the, the family's horrific imagining about what might be the fate of their loved ones in Gaza right now, they don't know if they're alive, they don't know if they're dead. When you are an Asur, when you're captive, it's as if you could be thought of as dead because there's no proof that you'll come back alive. Shagam hem chashuvim kemetim. They are um, thought of as, uh, as if they are dead. Shechayu, that when they come back, they are bring, they're brought back to life. And you can imagine that the hostages that came out from Gaza and the ones that we hope will come out again, that could be understood as a notion of resurrecting the one who is considered dead. And the one who establishes trust with those who sleep in the, de- in the dust, right? This one, there's no way. So up until now, Abu Jaham is saying, what could mean? It doesn't necessarily mean a supernatural reviving of one who had died, but in the way that someone who's fallen could die, but they come back to life, that's Mechayemetim. And the way that someone is sick could be close to death, but they revive themselves, that could be Tchayemetim. But this one, it's hard to read any other way then. How can you be, maintain your faith with those who sleep in the dust? How can that refer to anything other than people who are actually dead? Al shame, based on the verse from the book of Daniel, Verabim Mishene Admat Afar Yakitsu. Many who are among those who sleep in the earth will. Rise, Yakitsu, Kilomar, look how he understands this. And my question on the Abu Jaham that I'll never be able to answer is, is it that he didn't want to believe that God was able to actually resurrect the dead? Is it just defy belief? Or is he just trying to preserve this paragraph for anyone who struggles with this belief? Kilomar, as if to say, just as God establishes or maintains faith with those who are alive, and heals them, first of all, maybe one day, we can hope and pray, that God will uh, continue that faith even after we have died, or, the yesh mefarshim, 
Some people understand it to mean, God who maintains faith and trust with those who sleep in the dust. That is reminding or reawakening the oath, that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because there's a place in rabbinic literature that refers to those trio as the ones who are sleeping in the dust. In other words, if you struggle... When you say these words, which you're going to say a lot of time, to actually believe that those who have died will come back to life, there's a more spiritual way of understanding it. Every time a Jewish community establishes itself and gathers and prays and invokes Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov, God is in the process of being Mikayim Emunatoli Shneafar of maintaining his commitment to those who sleep in the dust, not because Abraham will ever walk the earth again, but Abraham's life is still being thought of and taught and modeled by us. So this is a very non-supernatural way of holding up this blessing. What I want to offer is that maybe both can be present in our minds as we pray this and as we sing this, depending on where we are in our ruminations, what we think might be possible of the God of the universe. When we want to lean fully in, and imagine an end of days where those who have died will live again and will be reunited with those who we knew and lost or who we didn't know, that's a theological possibility for us to lean into. And if we can't get there, every time we see someone falling and found a way to get back up on their own or with the help of others or with our help, Maybe God is present in that moment. And anytime you or someone you know has been so sick that we're wondering, are they going to make it through? And they do. According to Abu Jaham, that's Tchiyat HaMetim. And every time you say this paragraph, Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov, you are involved in God's maintaining a connection to and faith with those who for millennia already have slept in the dust. Mechalkel Chaim Bechesed Bechayim Eitim Berachamim Rabim Mechalkel Chaim Bechesed Mechayim Eitim Berachamim Rabim so make no flim vero feholim omatir asurim omekayemunato lishe Oh, 
מצמיח ישוע. Number three, page three. Ahenu Yisrael. Ahenu Yisrael. Anetunim batzara, batzara ubashibya. Ahumdim bain bayam ubain bayabasha. Acheinu kol bain Yisrael. Acheinu kol bain Yisrael. Hanetunim batzara, batzarahu vashibya. Ha'omdim vein bayamu vein bayabasha. Parshat Vayechi, it's lit up there, last Parsha of the book of Reishi. We lose two patriarchs in Parshat Vayechi, Yaakov dies, and then Yosef dies. Yaakov's death is more, given more attention. Um, it really does seem like the end of not just his generation, but the generation of the three main patriarchs. And it's a moment of transition where the names that we have thought of up until now as sons, Reuben, Shimon, Levi, etc., Now we're starting to think of them as heads of clans and tribes. And Yaakov call, calls them all to his bedside and gives each of them mostly a blessing. Some of them he kind of half curses, particularly Shimon and Levi. And the way that scene is introduced is with an interesting verse. Look in the middle of page three. Vayikra Yaakov el banav. Yaakov called his sons. Vayomer. And he said, Hey Asafu, gather yourselves up. Vagida lachem. And I'll tell you, et asher yikra etchem, that which is going to happen to you, ba'acharit hayamim, at the end of days. For those of you who know what comes next in the Parsha, what's the most interesting thing that doesn't happen next? He doesn't tell them what's going to happen at the end of days, right? So it's, it's an incredible invitation. Come close. I got a secret to tell you. I'm going to reveal everything to you. And then radio silence. He 
talks to them. He, you know, he, he, he praises certain aspects of each of the sons' uh, identities, and he talks a little bit about how the tribes are going to interact, but he doesn't reveal much whatsoever. Rashi, Rashi famously on this verse says that what did Yaakov have in mind when he said this? He had in mind that he was going to be a prophet of all prophets and through Ruach HaKodesh, through <coughs> spiritual um, alertness through God, he was going to reveal to his children how it's all going to turn out at the Kates, the, the end of all times. And some influence, either internal or external influence, stopped him and said, Yaakov, you can't do that. They're not, they're not ready for it. Right? They're, they're not as on a higher level as you. You might know the end of days, but they don't. Rashi stops there, and some of the most beautiful places in Jewish intellectual thought is where the medieval commentators stop and the Hasidic commentators just blow it open. Okay? So look at the next text, source 5. Or Hama'ir, this is the, uh, one of the commentaries on the Torah by Rabbi Zev Wolf of Jitimir, who was one of the great sages of um, students of the Magid of Mezrich, which means he's in the third generation of Hasidic mastery. Uh, this is what he says. HaTorah, I'm going to read and translate, and we're going to understand the words, but I want all of us to be totally comfortable understanding that we're not really fully going to understand this. Because to understand almost any individual Hasidic commentary, you have to really be completely embedded into their understanding of Kabbalah and, and their understanding of mysticism. So we'll, we'll, we'll get a sense. But um, I, I'm aware that I don't understand everything that he's saying here. HaTorah ro'im, The Torah that we see. Ve'lomdim and study. Ba'a elenu comes to us bilvush chitzoni. We only see the external clothing, the external garment, right? So imagine being given something that's beautiful, and it looks to you as beautiful, and you have no idea that if you were to take off the wrapper, something yet more beautiful, more incredible, more overwhelming would be waiting for you. But you have only access to the external klipa, the external rind, and by the way, that's pretty good because what you have access to is delicious and delightful and illuminating. His understanding is the Torah has a wisdom that transcends anything we could possibly imagine. Right? This is coming from a Hasidic understanding of the Torah being the word of God and God cannot be comprehended by humanity. We get the wrapped version. It's pretty darn amazing. Torah sodit. There is within it a secret Torah. Shebemakom sipurim v'dinim. And, and it's, it's a secret deep Torah that's in place of or not just stories and laws, right? If you want to take a reductive uh, you know, look at the Torah, it's stories of our people and laws. Zev Wolf says, yeah, that's on the outside. On the inside, you know, I'm in, a, I'm, in a, I'm in a Willy Wonka world right now because I saw the movie twice last week. Come with me. <laughs> Imagination, right? So if you were really brought inside, you wouldn't believe it. He, Mle'a Orot, this internal core, is filled with lights, Vitserufei Shemot, and kind of plays on names or additions to names, Asher Betucham, and within that resplendent light, and manipulation of the holy names, tamun sod hachaim. Within all of it is the secret to all life, and we have no access to it, but it's there. Zot emuna et atika. This is an old faith, 
And this truth is shared by all of the truly uh, eccentric and esoteric teachers in Israel. There are sages, Balei Ruach, who have the spiritual ability, Balei Ruach HaKadosh, who have access to the Holy Spirit, who have the ability to arrive at this deep internal secret Torah and even to reveal it. He might be saying that he, Zev Wolf of Jitimir, considers himself to be one of them. Or maybe he doesn't. It's hard to know, right? The Rambam, Maimonides, certainly thought he had access to that. Aval asur lehem If you have that access, you may not reveal it. If I had that access, I don't. I, it would be prohibited from me, for me to reveal it to you. Why? Look at this fascinating answer. Gilui kazeh. That kind of revelation. Yigzol min hayachid. Would rob from any individual who got it. At Chofesh HaBechira, rob that person of free will. Why? Why would, it be, why would it rob you of free will if the person who had access to that sage wisdom revealed it all to you? Why would that rob you of free will? You'd know the outcome. You'd know, the, you, you'd know what doing mitzvot means and what it doesn't mean. You'd know what God's all about. Why would you ever have any motivation or incentive for your next spiritual moment? It would all be revealed to you. At Hayecholet, it would rob from you of the ability to fail and to learn from your errors, right? Anyone who's ever raised a child knows that there's a moment in your parenting where you move from wanting to uh, protect them from, uh, from hard moments or painful moments that you'd rather not have to knowing that they're actually going to have to experience it, stumble and fall, and they will learn something critical from that moment. And that's a hard transition. He's saying this in a spiritual realm. Spiritual realm. Would rob them of the ability to walk in the particular individual path that is proper for them. That path, that wandering, not knowing, meandering, confusing, blocked, obscured path that all of us are on, is more important or than the revelation of divine light. That is an unbelievable sentence. Our blind, deaf, and blocked lives, trying to figure everything out, is holier than it just being told to us. Afilu mehava'at hakates, even more significant than revealing to you how it's all going to turn out. So Zev Wolf of Jitimir says, Rashi didn't go far enough. Yeah, Yaakov was going to reveal it, but he stopped. But why did he stop? Why would anyone stop? Why would you ever not reveal something significant? Because on some level, if you're a teacher or a parent or a rabbi, you want to illuminate the people in your life and make their lives easier. But if you illuminate too much, you've stolen from them some of the most important aspects of being a human being and being a Jew. There are things that are intentionally kept obscured from you. So with that in mind, I want to invite you to close your eyes. And if you haven't yet, put your feet flat on the floor in front of you. Feel a connection between you and the earth. 
and imagine a straight line, a dignified line going from the base of your tailbone down to the ground, up through the crown of your head, infinitely upwards, connecting you to earth and to the heavens. which is really the place of the human and the Jew at all times. Anchored down here, reaching towards there, knowing we'll never actually achieve it. And I want you to conjure something you wish you knew about the world, about life, about love, about death, about another person. Some mystery that is frustratingly behind a thick veil, a powerful knowledge you wish you owned. And I want you to experience in your mind's eye that frustration of not knowing, converting into an engine, a motivation, an incentive to grow, explore, learn and expand. See that not knowing convert from being a source of frustration into the greatest purpose of life itself.
number six. Anim zemirot veshirim erok ki lecha nafshi tarok nafshi chamda betzel yadecha ladat korasodecha. Anim zemirot veshirim erog ki elecha nafshi tarog nafshi chamda betzel yadecha ladat korasodecha. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.